it's actually relatively easy to persuade people to buy a whole lot of crap that they don't need or want. That's what that's the current sort of communications paradigm. And the communications industry has the task of its lifetime ahead of it, which is to change behavior at scale. Welcome to another episode of Communicating Purpose. I'm John Higginson, and I believe that the best way to get a message across clearly is by talking about something you honestly and passionately believe in. By doing so, you bring people with you. Your passion becomes theirs, and I call this the power of purpose. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tessa Clark, co-founder of Olio. Olio is an app which aims to reduce food waste by making it easier for communities to share and gift their unwanted goods. Prior to Olio, Tessa had a 15-year corporate career as a digital managing director in the media, retail, and finance services sectors. She met her co-founder, Sasha, whilst they were studying for the MBAs at Stanford University. Tessa's TED Talk about the power of sharing has been watched over a million times, and she was awarded the Verve Clico Bold Woman Award for 2023, the longest-running award for female business leaders. Tessa, welcome onto the podcast, and tell us a bit about your journey to how you got to where you are today. Thank you for having me. So my journey feels a bit random and circuitous, um, but it all starts sort of at the very beginning. My parents are farmers up in the northeast of the UK, up in North Yorkshire. And so I grew up in a very practical, gritty, earthy, hardworking Uh, environment. And as a result of that, I had no clue what I wanted to do when I grew up. I didn't have uh, many role models, but I certainly knew that I didn't want to be a farmer or a farmer's wife. So I hot-footed it uh, off the farm as soon as I could. I studied social and political sciences undergrad at Cambridge. And that really kind of ignited my passion for the intersection of society and technology and economics, politics, philosophy, etc. Still none the wiser about what I wanted to do. Became a strategy consultant, then moved over into industry and found my true calling and purpose eight years ago when I founded Olio with my co-founder, Sasha. And we both see Olio as us really sort of coming full circle back to both of our roots and our origins, uh, but also melding that with the best of what we've learned from our corporate careers. Great. And so I've done a brief intro to Olio, but but tell us exactly how it works and what it does. So Olio exists to solve the climate crisis at scale by tackling the problem of waste in our homes and local communities. And what we do is we connect people with their neighbours so they can give away rather than throw away their spare food and other household items. We also have 100,000 volunteers who are members of our community who we train online and we then match them with a local business, which could be a Tesco, for example, or a Pret-a-Manger or Iceland, or it could be a corporate canteen or a school canteen, hospital canteen. And those volunteers provide a service to that business whereby they will collect all the unsold food from that business. They will take it home. They will add it to the Olio app and they will redistribute that food to members of their local community so that food is eaten, not thrown away. Great. And and I suppose we have in the UK food banks and um, mm-hmm. 
So how does this differ? Does it, is it, um, it means that you can go on, you don't have to feel like you're going to the food bank. Is there any um, uh, criteria for um, getting food from the Olio app? Yeah, so there are a number of important differentiators between Olio and a food bank. So Olio is absolutely proudly for everybody. Um, it's worth stressing that when we look at the problem of food waste in the UK, we throw away a third of all the food we produce here in the UK and half of that food waste takes place in the home. So Olio is really focused on encouraging everyday people to share their spare food on the app, to give it away rather than throw it away. And obviously we've got this food coming from uh, the businesses as well. What differentiates Olio in addition to the fact that it's free and available for everybody to use, so there's no stigma uh, attached to it, and you don't have to go to your GP or get a quota or a chit or anything like that. You can just download the app and use it just like anybody else. But what's also important about Olio is that every type of food can be shared via the app. So fresh fruit and veg, chilled foods, hot food, frozen food, food after its best before date, lots of the types of foods that uh, food banks for a whole variety of reasons um, do not have, do not want, are not able to redistribute. But Olio is about so much more than just sharing food. Now, we um, also connect people with their neighbours so they can give away their spare household items as well. So Olio is just a fantastic tool for when you're having a bit of a declutter and you've got all those things that you don't want to sell, you don't want to ship halfway across the country. Charity store either isn't nearby or, or perhaps won't want what you've got and you just want it gone. So a classic example of things that people... Uh, giveaway uh, on Olio might be all those things that are lurking in that toiletries drawer that we've all got, you know, that kind of shampoo that perhaps you use once or those bath bombs that you never use because you're more of a shower type of person, all the way through to books, clothes, toys, electronics, yeah. etc. Okay. okay, so, um, you know, doesn't matter what your income level, go on the Olio app and you're uh, doing a good thing if you go on there and you're, and you're using up that produce that otherwise might go to waste. And most importantly, you give stuff away. <laughs> because yes. that's that's our number one challenge actually sort of ironically is there's no shortage of people who want to pick up free stuff right. what we need to do is encourage everybody who's sort of drowning in clutter or perhaps throwing away food every week to take the 10 seconds that are required to give that food or that household item a new lease of life by giving it away to a neighbor via the app great great um so as with all founders uh, when you start out a business you're pretty much head of every department aren't you including communications and just tell us a bit about um the early stages of communicating earlier when you, you don't have a um head of communications there to do things what for you did you find was the best way of communicating when you're essentially going from zero so sasha and i were fairly obsessed by communications and we spent a lot of energy thinking about it very much sort of real time so when you are first founding a business you need to talk to absolutely everybody you meet about what you are doing and why and through that you get lots of incredibly helpful feedback so Sasha and I would be constantly whatsapping each other when we would have an insight or response to perhaps a specific word that we used or a specific sentence that we used or a construct that we used or an analogy that we used to describe Olio. And we would be really keeping an eye out for what landed with the people who were listening to us. So 
I cannot understate the importance of of really drilling down on individual words and sentence constructs in those early days, because people, if you're not careful, people's eye, you know, people's eyes will often kind of glaze over, <laughs> um, as a lot of founders tend to. Uh, just fall back into using a lot of jargon, heavy language, and they also tend to leap straight in to talking about their product or their service. And that is something that I have learned, which is to never, ever, ever, ever skip the first critical step, which is to explain the why of what you're doing, the problem that you are trying to solve. And you need to find a way of describing that problem that makes it extremely compelling, extremely hard hitting, that then primes your listener to be receptive to what you're then going to tell them about the solution that you have designed. And it will also give them a way to visualize how your solution might work in real life. Whereas, and every time, you know, sometimes you're, you're a founder, you can get impatient and you might just want to skip to straight to talking about your product. And I have learned to never, ever, ever skip that first step of talking about your mission and the problem that you are trying to solve. Well, Tessa, there you go. You, you have explained to all our listeners the exact what is purpose communications and uh, any listeners that um, want to know more on that, that why stage, you should probably uh, either read uh, Finding Your Why by Simon Sinek or uh, if you've got less time, watch his 15-minute uh, TED talk on that because it's uh, such a such a brilliant one and that's really where that comes from um, and all the best brands out there are very good at talking about their why why they exist um, uh, is there anything uh, that you think is uh, particularly different in the sharing economy uh, and any unique challenges you find in, in communicating that in that space yes <laughs> absolutely uh, the sharing economy has an enormous challenge in that the objective of our communications is ultimately to drive behavior change and changing behavior is the toughest task of all it's actually relatively easy to persuade people to buy a whole lot of crap that they don't need or want that's what that's the current sort of communications paradigm and the communications industry has the task of its lifetime ahead of it which is to change behavior at scale so um and the other and people are generally resistant to behavior change. And there is an ingoing assumption that any behavior change that's required to live more sustainably is about sacrifice, compromise. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be inconvenient. So you've got a lot of really um, negative preconceptions that you are battling against. And one of the, well, several things that we've learned in terms of how have we sort of gone about breaking down that problem. First of all, we have gone pretty deep on researching all the different behavioral psychology models that exist and looking at how we can leverage behavioral psychology tips and tricks for good rather than for evil, as, as many seem to leverage them for. Um, and perhaps the most useful framework that we have found is the EAST model by the Behavioral Insights team which says that if you want to change someone's behavior, you need to make it easy, you need to make it attractive, you need to make it social, and you need to make it timely. And I think that where the circular economy folks have fallen down is we have not made 
sustainable living sufficiently attractive or sufficiently social? Because again, one of the biggest things I've learned around sort of uh, behavior change is that the single biggest determinant of whether someone's going to do something or not is their belief that everyone else is doing it. So you definitely have this real kind of chicken and egg yes. dilemma as a circular economy founder. So you have to lean quite hard into the social element of, of your communications, your proposition. So definitely behavioral psychology is really, really key. And the other major communications learning that we have had is that in the early days of Olio, because our why was so strong, it was to solve the climate crisis. We led off in our consumer facing messaging, talking about the planet. And then we would talk a little bit about people, the impact that Olio could have on your local community. And honestly, we didn't really talk at all about the impact that Olio would have on you as a person. And what we have learned is that we need to, to get cut through, we need to flip that messaging hierarchy on its head. And then it, we need to lead off talking about the personal. And so for us, that means talking to people about how it feels great to share. Because we have recognized that we live in an age of selfish altruism which is that people sort of want to do good, but actually they need that personal why to give them that uh, that incentive to do so. So now we lead our messaging with the personal, kind of it feels good to share. We then layer on people, the really positive impact that sharing also has on your local community. And then we're much lighter on the planet stuff. That's just like this sort of fairy dust sprinkling uh round the edges of the, the communication. And we've found that that's really important. Flip that hierarchy to get the cut through that you need. Yeah, that's, that's uh, really interesting. Um, and actually, um, for those listeners who want to kind of delve a bit deeper into some of that uh, behavioral uh, stuff, a lot of it was um, came out when uh, Barack Obama came in and, and realized that he couldn't get the change he needed through legislation. And he started to use a lot of um, behavioral uh, insight experts um, to to get change through changing people's behavior. Then David Cameron set up the behavioral insights team, uh, which was known informally as the nudge unit. And actually, if you if if people look on their um, tax bills now, they'll see little elements of that. Like when you get your tax bill, it will say at the bottom, something like 95% of people pay their taxes on time or 98% of people uh, pay on time. And if you get a fine through the post, there'll be a little little line saying um, uh, most people uh, do the right thing on this. And that all comes from this behavioral, those points that you're making there, Tess, so that people do things if they think other people are doing them and and they can see other people doing them as well. But um, uh, do look at the behavioral insights team because they've got some really uh, fascinating things there. And we certainly uh, use it at Higginson Strategy for some of our clients because we're often trying to push for behaviour change as well. Um, um, so have you had any really significant moments um, where you felt you really had a great breakthrough in Olio? The honest answer is no. Yeah. Um, it's just been slugging I, away, has it? Yes, yes. I, I think, again, like many startup founders in the early days I went to bed fantasizing that I would wake up tomorrow morning and the next feature release the next marketing campaign the next partnership would unleash Instagram style hockey stick growth 
And what I've now learned eight years later is that there is no such thing as a silver bullet. There's just an awful lot of lead bullets. You just need to keep persistently layering on top of one another. And whilst it is very exhausting kind of being in the trenches at the time, it is amazing how you can achieve um, impact through that very sort of dogged, resilient um, approach. So today we've got a global community of 7 million people have joined Olio. Together they have shared over 140 million portions of food and 10 million household items. And that has had an environmental impact equivalent of taking half a billion car miles off the road Great. and has also saved over 21 billion litres of water. And it's actually that impact that sort of keeps us going um, through through the journey. Great. Well, a, a little trick that you did there was use stats that people can visualise. So I'm, I'm, I'm just pointing that out to people. That was a really good one. Guilty as um, charged. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's been one of your biggest communications wins? Um, one that is sort of very top of mind and very unusual to kind of cite as a communication win, um, given the circumstance in which it occurred, but I do think it is a win, is that like many of our startup peers, we are having to respond to the incredibly challenged macroeconomic environment. And so we've done a restructuring of the company, which means that very sadly, um, some colleagues have had to leave Olio, and it's it's been it's been horrific, quite frankly. Um, but one thing that we did uh, spend a lot of time on was again sort of communicating the why, and what that sort of looked like in practice was explaining to people kind of how did we get here. So sort of stepping back, doing that storytelling. Here's where we were, you know, back at this time when the world was very different. And then here is what has happened. And just talking the business through um, the macroeconomic events, the impact that that has had on inflation, the relationship between inflation and, and interest rates. So, again, giving a little bit of an economics lesson to the team and then the impact on uh, interest rates and the health of the venture capital funding system and therefore the knock on effect that that has had which means that we're undergoing a paradigm shift in terms of how startups are being built. We're moving from this, the old model of the past decade of capital fuel growth to the new model, the next decade, which is going to be um, very much kind of product uh, led and, and efficiency led growth. And through investing the time in, in explaining all of that, talking about the fundraising environment, sharing the data about what's going on there, sharing the reality about our burn rate. By the time you've sort of gone through all of that, everybody um, and, and even those impacted by the restructure understand what you're doing and why. Mm. And that then really, really helps everybody, both the people who are leaving the organization and the people who are remaining through just that incredibly difficult um, period. And what's really important is you've got to protect to the best of your ability, your company culture through that period of transition. And I really think that communications plays um, a really important part in that coupled with our third company value we've just got four company values and one of them is caring and so when you couple great communications with truly living our company value of caring through a process like this um, then actually that can that can um, sort of really help us and I've certainly sort of been reflecting on um, the role of communications because I hear a lot of businesses proudly proclaim 
that how transparent they are. Mm. And I've realized that a lot of businesses equate sharing lots of numbers with transparency. And what I believe is that actually it is narrative, not numbers, that is required for true transparency. That's about really contextualizing those numbers and, and providing that, that why behind it. Great. And just um, you use some of those terms there that are really well known in, in the business community, but, but, but some um, listeners might not know about, such as burn rate, which is... Um, mm-hmm which was a term that really came from the tech industry in San Francisco, uh, Olio being a real tech-based app, and it's, it's about um, the, the time it takes for uh, money to be burnt, burnt through, essentially. And it, and it plays on that, um, uh, uh, the fact that money is fuel, and I think that's a really important mm-hmm. thing for people to know about. You know, money is the fuel of the organisation, and so you can have a very clear... Um, uh, clear why and a clear um, set of values, uh, but almost every organisation on the planet needs money as fuel to keep going. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a um, a large corporation or a small charity. That's that's uh, usually the case. It's uh, very few few organisations are run entirely on volunteering. Um, so that's and 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 as you're pointing out there, there is a lot less of that initial capital going into startups, um, uh, a lot of capital went in before because in part due to the um, quantitative easing that was going on around the world. So there's a lot of extra money that people were trying to look for investments for, i.e. putting in money when those organizations are not making a profit, burning through the fuel in the hope that they'd get many multiples valuation and they'd, and they'd get, get their money back. But tell us, Tessa, about how Odeo works in, in terms of organization. You, are you profit making or um, or is it um, NGO or anything else? So Olio um, is very proud to be an organization that has profit with purpose at our core and in our DNA. We get quite frustrated that the world seems to be stuck in a bit of a dichotomy, which is that if you're doing good, then you should be a charity, but you probably aren't going to be scaling or growing um, that quickly. Or if you're scaling and growing really quickly, then you'll be a business, but you're probably creating all sorts of negative externalities, negative effects, essentially, on people and planet. And we believe very, very firmly that there's a third path, which is about marrying profit with purpose together. And so Olio is now a B Corp. And what that means is we've had to go through a very rigorous assessment process to demonstrate that we truly give equal consideration to people, profit and planet in all of our decision making. And indeed, our obligations to people, profit and planet are baked into our articles of association. So they are the, um, I guess, the sort of governing legal documents of the company. Great. Well, um, I'm a firm believer in that as well. And and, uh... Uh, my company, Higgins Strategy, is also a B Corp uh, for those same reasons, because actually profit is what fuels growth. Growth, having that profit there enabled, uh, it, and, it, and it also means that you've got that buffer there. It means you can hit hard times where um, some of these organisations that don't have that profit there are forced under when, when, that, when that fuel runs out, when the funding sources mm-hmm. are no longer there. So um, having that is a really strong thing to have. 
what are you proudest of and uh, what do you feel you've done that's made the biggest difference? So I honestly don't spend much time <laughs> reflecting on um, what I'm proud of because I'm just constantly looking at everything that we haven't achieved. Um, I guess, but if I do take a moment to stop and to reflect, it's almost actually quite hard to believe that I've taken an idea that I sort of had in my kitchen when I was moving country and have somehow turned that into a real thing that is every single day impacting the lives of thousands of people uh, in a very profound way. Um, I've shared with you some of our environmental impact but what I'm equally proud of is our is our social impact. So 40% of our community say that they've made friends through the Olio app. 66% say that sharing has improved their mental health. And three quarters of our community say that sharing has improved their financial well-being, which is obviously incredibly powerful when we're living in a cost of living crisis. And so having that sort of social impact on the scale that we are, we've facilitated 30 million unique sort of neighbor to neighbor doorstep connections so that is something that to be really proud of and you hear all those stories and those anecdotes coming back out of people talking about the incredible yeah sort of friendships they've built um it's very very heartwarming great i'm intrigued now which which uh, countries were you moving from and to? <laughs> i was living living and working uh, with my family in switzerland and moving back to the uk and i had some food that we hadn't managed to get through and the removal men uh, tried to insist that I throw that food away and being a farmer's daughter I was not prepared to put perfectly good food in the bin so I did a bit of a wild goose chase on the streets trying to find someone to give it away to failed miserably and thought there should be an app for this and now there is well if ever some food waste was, was worth it it was probably maybe that 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 one <laughs> right there yeah um tell us about what uh, where do you get your own news from so I get the sifted daily email newsletter which is uh, sort of for the UK and European startup scene which is an invaluable daily read. I read The Knowledge which is a daily email newsletter um, from the folks who founded The Week which is just a really great um, slightly random sort of synthesis of stuff. I listen to Radio 4 every morning when I'm getting up and getting the kids ready for school uh, and then I listen just obsessively to podcasts. But which being ones? a Oh God! I mean, oh, honestly, any... what's, what's <laughs> the latest one? A list as a list as long as your arm. I mean, I'd have to. Um, what? Well, right now, what have I got? I've been listening to More or Less, which yeah. is again that's a sort of a fairly techy one from Silicon Valley. Um, slightly random ones, Accidental Gods. That's about sort of the intersection of systems change and politics and philosophy and social stuff. Mm. Um, the rest is politics. That's a good one for just keeping up to speed with things Everyone i'm listening yeah zo the zoe app for sort of science nutrition food matters have you got have you got a zoe th thing on your arm right now not right now no, no. i have not great. um great. yeah great but, uh, yeah lot, lots and lots more techie ones great and what what medium have you found is the most effective for getting your message across so here i think we kind of differentiate between myself as a co-founder and so I have a communications job to do and then also Olio the brand if we take sort of Olio the brand first we have experimented with pretty much every uh, medium you can imagine and we have 
honestly found that word of mouth is our po most powerful medium. So we've leaned into that very heavily. So we have something called our ambassador program. We have 50,000 ambassadors who are people who we put onto a digital pathway. We give them the information that they need to spread the word about Olio um, amongst their digital networks. And then they can also order hyperlocal guerrilla marketing kits. So posters and letters and flyers. So good old fashioned yeah. uh, stuff like that has been very effective for us. TV is incredibly yeah. effective, in particular right. on the few occasions when perhaps a news program has featured Olio and it has shown in real life that magic connection of bringing two people together from the right. same community to share something on the doorstep. That leads to tens of thousands of signups in, in minutes. Um, and then and we found and that's, that... And that's earned media rather than adverts. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of uh, adverts and, and paid stuff, sort of performance marketing has obviously always been um, a mainstay of what we do. And then we've experimented with TV, radio, out of home. And of those, TV is the most powerful for us because it's a very emotional medium that's yeah. very good for storytelling. And also, most importantly, it's in the home, which is where we expect people to use yes. Olio. So that that's the sort of Olio channels. Then uh, for myself as a co-founder of Olio, I... I feel very strongly that it's sort of part of your job to be the number one brand sort of advocate. And, but you've got to find sort of, you've got to pick your poison. You've got to find the right flavor of that for you in a very authentic way. So I remember earlier on in our startup journey, someone told me, you need to be on Twitter. You need to really invest in this hours every day, build a following. And I just couldn't quite bring myself to do that because I'm just not 140 characters kind of person with latest hot take. Um, but I ended up finding my own version of sort of building a founder brand, which was through longer form approach. So writing medium posts and then disseminating them via LinkedIn. And that model has worked incredibly well combined with speaking. So speaking at events, it's a unique opportunity to really bring the story to life, to connect with people in real life. It makes it far more memorable uh, and podcasts as well. Great, great. Right. Um, I'd agree with all three of those four uh, founders. Those are all um, really ideal uh, places, LinkedIn, the speaker circuit and uh, podcasts like this one. Um, final question. What do you think makes a good message? something that's got a clear why a clear call to action and is concise and with that concise answer tessa clark uh, founder of olio thank, uh, you've been speaking to me john higginson on communicating purpose and thanks for joining me thank you for having me mm -hmm.